freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Roy, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. And the fire! All right, rolling along here, final hour of our week here on the Brock and Salk Show, Seattle Sports on 710. This hour brought to you by 3010 Weight Loss for Life. We'll have some open phones coming up, as we always do, 930 on Fridays. That is a half hour from now. Mm-hmm. Stacey Rost joining Hi. me in studio. Can I just point out, if you're watching on the stream, that I'm the difference. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I am not really that teeny tiny. I look like a tiny Oompa Loompa sitting next Here. to Mike. I'll, I'll drop myself even <laughs> I, lower. Thank you. I don't but, know. <laughs> someone texted that G wasn't on video last segment, and I don't know how to get it to flash between you guys, but I was able to get you both on the screen. That, I like sorry it. For the that shot is like especially great. far away. <laughs> you look like a little kid. I do. I look like I'm just like, it's like a bring oh. your kid to work day. I'm yeah. like, hi. Here I am with my daughter, what are we Stacey. talking about today? <laughs> no big deal. Uh, I want to play you some sound, Stacey, and I'm curious how you what you think of this. This is John Schneider yesterday with Wyman and Bob. They did a great job yes. at the whole uh, John Schneider show every Thursday at four o'clock now uh, leading up to the draft. Um, but, you know, the Geno sound is going to kind of get some press, obviously, because he said they're sort of in it. I don't really know what he was referring yeah. to, but I thought this was a little bit more telling. You know, at this point last year, Russell Wilson was our quarterback, you know, and, uh, you know, all the push, you know, the trade stuff and all that, like, hadn't happened yet. And then, you know, now we started getting into all this and, you know, there was all, you know, a lot of talk and then we headed down a road. So, yeah, you have to be ready for. Yeah, A, B, C. And the, the cool thing about working with Pete is he's very pliable. Like he, he can, his mind is like, I know you guys have been here before. He's, he can, he, you know, he's he can just he can he's, he can just keep going and he can accept all the information. So you can you can literally say to him, you know, I've worked with people that that, that can't do that. They, mm-hmm. Their mind doesn't work as, as quickly as his does, and, and 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 they don't process the information or as quickly, or um, they're not open to all the different scenarios because they have to fix something, you know, in a, in a specific order. It, it dawned on me as I was listening to it. That, that they're going to tag and trade Gino to the Broncos. Maybe, but also, <laughs> possibly. But also how hard it must be and how much of that job is processing multiple if-then scenarios all at the same time. Yeah, exactly. And that was uh, not the only part of the conversation where they talked about that. I mean, they talked about, hey, you have plan ABC, you know, during the draft, but then, like, during the draft, do you ever find yourself just thinking like, oh, we really wanted that guy. Now we have to go with this guy. Now we do this. And I mean, it, it was I found the first interview. And if you guys haven't heard it, I really recommend it. It'll be on the Whiteman and Bob podcast. And it's just titled John Schneider because he just kicks off the hour. Uh, I found it to be a really insightful look less into just for this one. Right. Because mm-hmm. it's one of many less into like, what are the Seahawks going to do? What do you want? And more into, hey, what when we get this started, what's being a GM like? And. I found it interesting when he said, like, hey, you don't have um, – because GMs keep everything so close to the vest, you don't have these coaching clinics. You don't have people helping each other out. You don't have a lot of movement. It's like you're thrown to the wolves, and it's kind of like, hey, figure it out because I don't want to tell you my ways, mm-hmm. right? I don't want to tell you what I'm thinking, uh, whether it's about uh, personnel that I want to acquire or my approach to certain things. Like you just – it's it's your secret keeping for so yeah, much of your job. Everybody's competition. Exactly. Everyone's competition, and you have to have the upper hand over everyone, and so um, you're kind of in trouble, right? It, it was it was really, really fascinating uh, and an interesting look into, like, just the stress, uh, confusion, fun, but yeah. also, like, just the work. Well, and I think theirs is, uh, has the most 
variable if-then statements of any yes. of the GM jobs. Yeah. Uh, and maybe DePoto would come on here and say, no, you're crazy. What we deal with is very similar. But, you know, kind of being around baseball GMs over the years and, and I don't know, basketball, you only have 12 guys on your team, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, or 15 now. I mean, it's just a much smaller. You got 53 guys. And a crazy draft every year. Well, and, and by nature, less data that works and is applicable with football. More true. outliers, right? Abso- absolutely. With baseball, and, you can look at guys and you can be like, hey, I've got advanced analytics that give me a better shot at hitting on this one. With football, it's like, scouts like this guy? Yeah. He's never played professionally. <laughs> right? And, and, then, and then add in the fact that you've got a salary cap that you've got to deal with. You've got quarterback as just this position that is unlike anything else in sports. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I guess I do hear that. I don't know that I think he's going to trade Geno Smith to the to the Broncos, but I think I do come away with a thinking anything could happen with Geno, right? Maybe they're going to get him signed and maybe they're not. And he's got to be prepared for all of that. Yeah. Post Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner, I think it's become clear that like not only is it a. Uh, you know, John and Pete's team and you can, it always has been, but there was this idea of like, we have so much equity invested in these two players. And these two players have been such a part of our success that like, we we kind of are going to bend the rules a little bit around them. And it's become very clear that like, it is Seattle first. If something doesn't fit that, then they'll move on. No player is too big. No player is too good. And, um, and it, it does make moving forward, and examining some of their decisions a little more interesting because it's like, you know what? I personally, and we've talked about this, think that Geno Smith gives them the best shot to be competitive next year. Mm-hmm. I would imagine John Schneider thinks that. I I would also imagine that John Schneider is not willing to risk or sacrifice, um, you know, too much of the team to do it. And I is willing, not. very willing to move on. Because, and, 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 you know, it's easy to get caught up in what's, what's going to make them the best team next year. But John Schneider's job isn't to make them the best team next year. It's to win the next Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I, I keep coming back to this question. I, I forget if I've asked you or not. Do you think you could win a Super Bowl with Geno Smith in the next three years? In the next three years? I think if you have enough talent around Geno Smith. You think he could? Well, I think if you plop Geno Smith onto a couple teams around the league. Like, if you plop Geno Smith onto the 49ers, I think you could have gone to a Super Bowl and won a Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, you have to take on uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. So, good luck with that. So, right. does the rest of the AFC, though. Yeah. So, uh, but, I mean, I, I think that the problem Seattle is in right now is that they don't have that team. So. Right. So do you buy your way into well, it? And do you draft your way into it? That's the problem with paying Geno Smith is how do you get yourself that team if you're paying your quarterback well, a lot more money than you were before? I want to be clear that I don't think that you can I don't think that you can move on from Geno and then and then buy your way into being that team in one mm-hmm. offseason. Probably true. But yeah. can you do it in a couple? As you draft and you have all the draft picks that you have this year and you spend some money. Well, don't forget, you also got to start paying guys, too. If you want to buy your way into being that kind of team, mm-hmm. uh, the entire 2020 class is going to be due up for extensions here. Jordan Brooks, Daryl Taylor, Damian Lewis. I mean, you're, you're, you're going to start paying more money to other guys you already have on the roster, I don't too. know that I'm going to keep all those guys on my roster moving forward, no? honestly. Not yeah. Damian Lewis? Eh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying no. If you move no. on from Daryl Taylor, I mean, it's, this is one of those things. Seattle has a couple different guys where you look at them and you go, yeah, I don't know that I would like, that would be like my dream pick. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the best players anyway. Like Jordan Brooks. Jordan Brooks is going to have a fifth year option for $12 million that the team is going to have to decide whether or not to exercise. And we were talking about this the other day. Yeah. However you feel about Jordan Brooks, where Seattle is as a defense right now is that he is one of their very best players on defense. Mm-hmm. Is he your dream player? Probably not. 
However, your defense is such that he's one of your best guys. Yeah, but you've now, and that's sort of the problem I have is he's playing a position that I don't want to be paying that much money for. I'm I'm glad he's great. I mean, the better you are at every position, mm-hmm. the better you'll be. Mm-hmm. But in terms of how I structure the cap and structure my defense, middle linebacker. No, I know. Like that just it's so dependent on the guys in front of him. Well, and one of my critiques had always been that they had invested so much like down the middle, uh, and not in like a, a, a good way, but in a way <laughs> where you're like ignoring a lot of skill positions. Like you didn't have uh, this elite left tackle that was going to be young and with your franchise. Uh, you weren't paying this elite outside corner. You weren't play- paying an elite edge rusher in what was then a four three. You were paying a middle linebacker. You were paying a strong safety. safety yeah. Right. And and. It's just not going to they're, they're guys that are farther away from the ball. Maybe not when I would invest. Yeah, That's maybe. what Brock always says. Guys yeah. who are farther away exactly. from the ball. And they're, exactly. they're spending a lot of money on that. So I'm very curious to see how the allocation of this budget changes moving forward. If I'm John Schneider, you know, and, and I'd love for that to be a question eventually is, hey, how, are you, how does the allocation of your budget change moving forward so that you are spending your resources on the positions that can most affect your team's ability to win. I mean, I think what makes it tricky, though, is sometimes those positions aren't available in, with guys that you'd be willing to spend on. Now, there are a couple great uh, defensive linemen that are available in free agency For sure. this year. Deron Payne, right, has been a name thrown around a lot here. So uh, that's not entirely applicable to this year. But there are going to be years where you're like, hey, we needed a left tackle. I mean... They won't, Seattle, because Charles Cross has been so great, but that's an example. Uh, and there's just not going to be that guy, so well, what, what do you do? The trade market, of course, is the other one, though, and that's the one spot that I feel like we haven't talked enough about. you got the number 20 pick. Yeah, but it's because they've never had this much draft capital. Right. Well, and the one thing that they've really struggled, that I think that they have really struggled with, is drafting talent. Like, drafting consistent talent that's kind of kept them really competitive. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> You finally have a chance to really get at that, and you're going to trade it away? Well, I wouldn't trade away all of it. I'm not trading the five pick in all likelihood. But if you were to tell me that I could trade the number 20 pick for Max Crosby or, you know. An, Hold an, up. Number 20 and what? Okay. Well, is Max Crosby significantly more valuable than A.J. Brown? It dep- I, mean, I mean, A.J. Brown went for the 18 pick and like a third or fourth rounder. Is Max Crosby significantly more than that? I don't think so. I would argue it wasn't like a super great deal by Tennessee. And uh, I think that by nature of his position, usually the second highest paid position on a football team is going to be edge rusher. I don't know, man. Given what's happened with wide receivers in the last few years, I don't know that you and I don't know whether Max Crosby is available. I'm just sort of using him as an example. But but ah, that number 20 pick to me might have some real significant value in terms of what you could do from bringing somebody in from the outside who you already trust and already think is that kind of player. Anyway, these conversations continue. Bump and Stacy starts at 10 o'clock. What uh-huh. can we expect today? Uh, we're just going to have uh, fun today. Just every conversation we think is interesting, we're going to roll with. We've got some Jared Kelnick talk that we're having. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be reflecting on John Schneider as well with kind of the same uh, takeaways where we just found it most interesting, kind of the life of a GM. It's a pretty interesting life, and I don't think it's as easy as most people tend to think. Who that it thinks would be. it's easy? I don't know. Yeah, it's Crazy easy. Crazy people. You just pick people. Anyone, who do you want? It's anyone, like a fantasy draft. No, anyone who never. It's always people who've mm. never had that job that so are like Brady oh, said. Just Bra- do this. Brady just, Bones told us it was very easy. Brady, why did you do that? that? That's He's so irresponsible. A little arrogant, uh, little irresponsible. Wow. Some slander out Typical here. Well, Gen Z. Just, just saying. All right, Bump and Stacy every day at ten o'clock, and my favorite segment every day on the station. Headline rewrites. Stacy's headline rewrites at ten thirty. We'll be right back with everything you need to know. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports. 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. 
Well, it's been great getting to talk Mariners over the last couple of days as they reported for pitchers and catchers anyway, reporting for spring training. And then with their first workouts yesterday, throwing bullpens and whatnot. Great to see the videos through Mariners Twitter and Mariners.com. And then just great to start talking to some of these guys. Robbie Ray joined us yesterday, told us he was working on a new pitch. Jerry DePoto joined us, told us that, well, it turns out that that pitch is a splitter. Um, yeah, they're not the only ones. Everybody's working on something new, according to Pete Woodworth, Mariners uh, pitching coach who joined Bump and Stacy yesterday. I think every single one of them will have a new weapon this year. A handful of those guys got off the mound today. You know, Robbie's got one. Kirby's got one. Gilbert's got one. Flexen's got one. Luis Castillo's really good. I don't think he needs one. He really doesn't. He's fine with the repertoire he's got, but that's great. I love the whole new weaponry thing and waiting to see how some of these new Mariner or some of these Mariner pitchers who we've seen before have new ways of attacking hitters. You've got to be adapting constantly if you want to keep succeeding in baseball, and they seem to understand that as well as anybody. Here's the second thing you need to know. John Schneider joining Wyman and Bob yesterday with an update on Geno Smith negotiations. This isn't like, you know, because we you can't sign people until, uh, you know, free agency doesn't start until, what, middle of March. So, you, yeah. you know, there's a huge period here where we have time to, you know, work through things. And where are we with Geno? Yeah, uh, you know, good talk so far. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we're in it. We're just trying to, you know, figure out what's best. I'm still not sure I understand what that means. Good talk, so that's good. That means they're talking. They're in it. That means they're negotiating. But we got to figure out what's best means they're not necessarily close to getting a deal done. I think all that probably makes sense. Also mentioned assistant receivers coach Brad Idzik is going to be leaving uh, to go with Dave Canales to Tampa Bay. Here's the third thing you need to know. Well, what a game for the Kraken, and specifically for Yanni Gord. He was a star yesterday. Yeah, that was a one-timer there to put him up 5 nothing. He was phenomenal. Just a one-man wrecking crew. Honestly, it was great. Scored two goals, had an assist, uh, screened goalie on another play, and was the other side of a two-on-one when Jared McCann decided to take it himself. I mean, just a phenomenal game for Yanni Gord. And good to see them get a win. Good to see Matty Beneers come alive. He had a goal and an assist in that one as well. Yesterday at the Genesis Invitational at Riviera, Tiger Woods was... Was phenomenal. Finished the day two under, closed with three straight birdies. And if you've had a chance to watch, you've gotten to see a lot of Tiger. Golf Channel basically just showing that group of Tiger, Rory McIlroy, and Justin Thomas. Well, as of this morning, Rory is out playing them. He's, I believe, five under, Justin Thomas two under, and and, uh, Tiger now one under as he has given one stroke back this morning. There you go. That is everything you need to know. And we do that quarter past every hour. It was fun yesterday. And Tiger, so funny. When you watch him swing, he does not look old. He looks just fine. He was routinely driving the ball as far, if not farther, than two of the longest guys in the game and Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas. So he still got plenty of power. His face looks old. Like when you see, like when you see him at the end, he does. He's, I mean, he's forty-seven, and he's looking it right. I mean, you can, you're starting to see Tiger looking older. Trust me, I know. I'm forty-four, going to be forty-five in two months. Like I, I know what it's like to start looking older. He's, he's looking older. The question though is just how much the ankle can hold up and how much the ankle can handle walking up and down these hills over the course of four days. He did it yesterday, no problem, which was great. 
had the late tea time yesterday, early tea time today. So not a lot of time to recover. How, how does he handle that today? We'll find out. And if he can, and then he can go on to the weekend and play two more times and compete. How cool would that be to see him being able to do that at least a couple times a is year? Your, is your guy in this tournament? Jordan? Oh, he played terribly. He didn't putt. He, he played all right. He just couldn't putt. He gave back two strokes to the field just with his putter. I mean, it's just. Are you he, blaming what he wore? Uh, No, not necessarily. But he was, yeah, he was three over yesterday. He's even today through three. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Jordan's having a, he's he's up and down right now. He's having a little issue with the putter. He's, he's, he had kids. And now everything's sort of out of whack for him. That's just kind of how it goes. Oh, it's the opposite of, like, Brock thinks people get better when they right. get married. The kid thing. There's no way you can have kids and get better at golf. Okay. Max Homa seems to be the exception to that. But everybody else, like, there's just there's no way. How do you get better at golf when you have kids? All right, let's uh, let's open it up here. 866-979-3776. It is Friday. It is nearly 930, which means it is time for open phone lines, whatever you guys want to talk about. I see the criticisms. You don't talk enough about this. You talk too much about that, et cetera. So this is your opportunity to run the show for a little while. You want to talk Seahawks? Great. You're sick of talking Geno Smith and you want to talk about the draft? Perfect. You're sick of talking about the NFL and you can't wait for Mariner season. You got something to say about anybody on this Mariners team, the pitching staff, your your rotation, your bullpen, Scott Service, Jerry Depoto, you name it. 866-979-3776. You got other reasons why you think the Mariners are going to be better than they were last year? We gave you some. If you don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year, I'll take those as well. If you want to be the negative Nelly, 866-979-3776. You want to talk about NFL? You want to talk Lamar Jackson? You Would you like to see Lamar Jackson here in Seattle? You want to talk Kraken? Uh, finally getting back in the win column yesterday and what they need to do before the trade deadline, who you'd like to see in net more moving forward. I'm just throwing out a million topics just to help get you guys going. But it's about to be a long weekend. I'm sure that we don't have quite as many listeners as we normally do. So we may have gone from seven down to five. So if this is your chance, if you want to jump on the line and you've heard that, you know, often there's too many calls and you can't get through and the line's always busy. This is the day for it. Heading into a long weekend. We want to hear from you. 866-979-3776. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. All right, we are just about at it. Long weekend ahead for most and for a lot of folks around Seattle. School vacation week as well. Uh, If you're getting ready to go away for the long weekend or for the whole week or whatever. But thanks for being with us this morning and hope you uh, have a safe drive or flight wherever you go in a really great time. And when you get back, if you're going away for the whole week, guess what? We will be in Peoria. How about that? Not next week, but the week after. Maura, Justin, Brock and I all going to be in Peoria for the week. Talking Mariners, visiting with everyone from Scott and Jerry, players, etc. I usually like to talk to Manny Acto when I'm down there. He's one of my favorites, so uh, can't wait. Really looking forward to being down there uh, for the week. All right, here's your chance. 866-979-3776. Open lines as we do every Friday at 930. My favorite 15 or 20 minutes of the show every week. So let's go through it, starting with Sam in Seattle. Sam, what's on your mind? Hey, Mike. What's up? You there? Yeah, I'm here. What's up? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm just I'm thinking that the games might not be shortened that much. Uh, I know they've tested it out and everything like that, but 
it seems to me like every time I've watched a game that has a lot of offense, which is what this all these rule changes are supposed to bring, then you get more time used. The longest innings are ones when they bat around and when they have more uh, you know offensive put output. It mm-hmm. just seems counterintuitive to me. What do you think? Do you think there's any chance it could it could not go? in the pros like it has. I think there's very little chance. It's not impossible, but look, pitchers are so dominating right now, Sam. I mean, last year we saw games that were, you know, batting average, maybe not at an all time low, but I think it was a 50 year low in terms of batting average. And I know that's just one stat, but despite all of the, the, you know, how little offense there was and how few long innings really took place because most of the offense generated was just off home run balls. Uh, the games are still yeah. taking forever. So, I, yeah, I don't think that's going to work that way. Yeah, you might see a few more long innings, which, by the way, would be great. Nobody's complaining about long innings. Nobody's complaining about, you know, a, an inning where your team scores six runs. Those are good, where there's six or seven hits all strung together and, you know, guys are on the base paths, et cetera. Nobody's complaining about that. They're complaining about a pitcher who stares in for a sign for 20 seconds and then decides to step off, walk around the mound, scratch himself, get back on, look for the sign again, shake it off, come back, make sure the camera's on him. Then the batter decides, hey, you know what? I'm going to step out because this is taking too much time. And then the pitcher's going to step off again. And before you know it, it's been four minutes. Nothing's happened. I like it. I don't have a problem with that. I am not a person complaining about the length of games. But that's, I think, going to take away a lot more time than would be added back in by a little bit more offense. So, yeah, I do think I think Jeff Passon's right. I do think this is going to shrink the size of games by quite a bit. 866-979-3776. Good take, though. I appreciate the phone call. Let me go to Cameron in Seattle. What's up, Cameron? Hey, Mike. What's up? Thanks for taking my call. You got it. Uh, just wanted to say I think that uh, once... Co- once the combine takes place, I think uh, Anthony Richardson is going to pop up on the board there. And uh, maybe the, there's going to be two or three quarterbacks that are taken ahead of him. But um, if he does fall, either we trade back and, and take him in the, in the first round later or we take him at five. Mm. Um, I think that that's got to be a bigger conversation, though, uh, because I think that once his physical traits show, I think he's so big and, and fast and physical and can run and can do so much uh, – and he obviously has the rookie contract, so it kind of takes the Lamar problem off our hands. But um, if we didn't want to go that route, would you trade that pick for um, any player in the league that's top two at their position, right? Because it is such a valuable pick. Would you trade it for an Aaron Donald or a yeah, I don't think so. No, I don't think I would trade that number five pick for, for one of those guys because of the age and the price and, and what they have left. No, I think what you're trying to do at number five is draft your own Aaron Donald. Now, number 20, very different scenario, right? Generally, by the end of the first round, mm-hmm. things have changed a little bit in terms of, of what's available for you in terms of generational kind of players. But number five, going to be hard for me to want to trade away that pick for a player. Not impossible. I'm sure you could come up with some, and I haven't thought about my list, but I'm sure I could come up with some players in the league that I'd be willing to trade the number five pick, but generally they're players that nobody wants to trade. Now, I got a top five pick. I probably want to use it. Now, that doesn't mean I wouldn't trade it for other picks, trade back a couple spots, depending. Look, if Anthony Richardson does move up the board, as you said, quarterback out of Florida State, if he does move up the board, and you don't love them as much as somebody else does, and they want to trade up from seven to five, 
yeah, I'll have that conversation, especially if you can still get what you want. But if one of these premier defensive players is there, Jalen Carter or uh, or um, or Will Anderson, and you got a shot at him and you believe in them, I think you got to pull the trigger, regardless of what else you could add. If you believe you've got your own Aaron Donald there, yeah, I think you probably just got to take it. 866-979-3776. Let me go to Reno in Spokane. What's going on? I have a theory on Geno Smith. All right. Geno. I believe that the Hawks and Geno have agreed in principle through a contract. They just don't want to say anything until after the draft. Hmm. Why? Because it makes it could potentially make the number five pick more valuable. Because a team would know that Somebody you might want to take a quarterback. quarterback. Yeah, I, that's an interesting theory. Uh, there's no way to prove it, obviously, right? I mean, there's no evidence of it, but it is an interesting idea. I, I don't know whether I would say that it is what's happening, but could it be? Yeah, Reno, I could write that script. I think I could. They've reached some sort of a deal together where they, they have the basics laid out. And they don't want to tell anybody because they don't want to give away that information of what they could do in the draft. Here's the thing. Here's the hole in that in that story. If it's a two-year deal, one-year guaranteed, even a three-year deal, two years guaranteed, they might still draft a quarterback at number five anyway. Right? The Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes situation. I I don't know. I don't think the Seahawks are going to take a quarterback, not not at number five, maybe later in the draft. And I don't think that that's necessarily dependent on whether or not they sign Geno Smith. But I like the theory. I am pro-conspiracy theory when it comes to sports. So, yeah, I'm in. I like that. Not when it comes to, like, DeMar Hamlin. But when it comes to, like, do the Seahawks and Geno Smith have a deal in place secretly? Yeah, I like a secret deal like that. I think that's great. 866-979-3776. More Geno talk from Brian and Moses Lake. What's up, Brian? Hey, just talking about Geno. The the fact of it, you know, I mean, we all know that he's earned this. I mean, he's in loyal and he needs a contract. But it's the wording, it's the... How are you going to carry out this contract? And I know they know the business and, and like push this contract out. So and tell them, you know, you're aware that we're trying to build a team here. If we can shove this back of ways and get the quality around you, that we can make a run on this thing and have him buy into that. But I, certainly he's earned it. You know, and I don't think we need to turn our back on him at all. Well, I appreciate the call, Brian. I disagree with you. I got to tell you. And, and I, I like the call and I like that you're convicted about it. I don't think you can be a general manager and ever use the word deserve. Not in football. Because then you're paying for what somebody did in the past as opposed to what they're going to do in the future. Now, if you believe that he's going to do that again, by all means, you pay him what you think he's worth. But deserve, I don't know. I, that to me feels like rewarding the past rather than predicting the future. Right. Well, the contract would have you know, stipulations in there, you know, for performance. Yeah. Thing. That's what I'm saying. It's all in the contract of how it works. You, you know, can do a little of that. But look, if I'm Geno Smith, why do I want to take an incentive laden contract if somebody else is going to offer me guaranteed money? I mean, it's nice and easy to say you want to do a deal with guarantees. But what happens when another team says, oh, you're only offering guarantees? Oh, we'll guarantee that. I'm sorry. You're only offering incentives. We'll guarantee it. We'll guarantee the money. Well, Gino says, all right, see you later. That's how a market economy works. So it's just not as easy as saying, oh, we'll do a deal where, you know, it's all incentives. Okay, no, this guy's going to offer me a deal that's not incentives. I'll take that one. 
Which would you rather do? Let's say you let's say somebody was gonna offer you, okay, Brady Bones. I'm gonna offer you a hundred grand a year, guaranteed, to do the job you do right now. Or somebody else is gonna offer you fifty grand guaranteed, but with an opportunity to earn fifty thousand dollars in bonuses. Which job are you taking? Taking the hundred percent guaranteed one hundred thousand. I would think so. If I'm putting in the same quality work, and if I was to do the same things that would reach those thresholds for incentives, I've done the same job absolutely, way, and I'm getting paid the same amount. So what if I offer you? What if what if person A is going to offer you a hundred grand guaranteed, and company B is going to offer you fifty grand guaranteed and up to sixty thousand dollars in bonuses? What are you going to take? I think I would still take the guarantee 100%. based on what the incentives are and how likely I think I am to reach those. I'm like, would I be getting that 60? Would I be getting a little bit of that? 60? Guaranteed or money the- is worth a lot more than bonus money or in this yeah. case, incentive money. So it's easy to say it. I think it's a lot harder to actually get him to to agree to something like that. 866-979-3776. All right, let me go to Adam in Spokane. What's going on, Adam? Good morning. Morning. Um, I would like to consider Manny Machado uh, as far as his contract's coming up soon. And I know that Machado just announced he's opting out after 2023. We don't have much depth at third base in our mining league system. Hey, I mean, Manny Machado is obviously interesting, but 29 years old right now, you said he's going to opt out after this upcoming season? Yeah, it was just reported about less than an hour ago. Okay, I I haven't Um, seen it yet. But he's going to play this year at 30. And so you're talking about signing Manny Machado starting at age 31. Ah, man, that would make me a little nervous. Not not that I wouldn't be interested, but again, if he's going to get one of these 12-year deals like the Trey Turners and everybody just got, it'd be hard for me to commit all of that to Manny Machado. I also got to admit, I don't love Manny Machado. Not that he's not a good player. He's a very good player. I'm just the wrong person to ask about Manny Machado. I'm just not a big Machado guy. It's not really even based in reality. It's just sort of gut feeling, and maybe it'll work out for him. Um, I also think if the Mariners end up getting something done long-term with Cal Raleigh, that Harry Ford's going to be your third baseman of the future. Have you seen this kid? Brock sent Brock sent me a stalker text yesterday, by the way, a little picture of Harry Ford, and he's like, oh, there's the buff dude. It's like, oh, no. That's going to be a mess when we get down there. Uh, I'm not opposed to thinking about a guy like Manny Machado, but I don't. I'd be very surprised if the Mariners went in that direction. Eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. How about Chris in Port Ludlow? What's going on, Chris? Yeah, uh, thanks for taking my call. I think Ohio State canceling on Washington is kind of a death knell for the Pac-10. It's bad since Ohio. Need exposure in LA and the coast anymore. They've got Southern Cal and UCLA. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, where do you think Washington's going to end up? I don't know. I don't know what these teams do, honestly. And we talked a little bit about it this week, Chris. I mean, you know, the television networks don't want them and they don't want to pay them. And I don't mean you, Dub, in general. I mean, in specific, I mean, in general with the Pac 12 and the remaining teams. The, the, the networks don't want to pay for them, they don't see enough value there. They're, they're sitting around talking to 
San Diego State and SMU. I mean, those are second-tier programs at best. They're in bigger markets, but they don't have the kind of passion or interest, nor are they even, in most cases, the biggest name in that market. It's not like SMU's the big draw in Dallas, right? I mean, technically, they're there, but but Texas is obviously the big draw. So I, I don't know what they do, man. It, it is a bad situation, and I agree with you that you know, Ohio State canceling kind of feels like a death knell. I, hopefully this Klevikoff dude knows something that the rest of us don't because he's going to have to pull a rabbit out of his hat to try to undo all of the disaster that was caused by Larry Scott. All right, I'm going to spend a few more minutes with the phones. We'll do a shorter ranking today. 866-979-3776. Uh, who's been hanging on? Let me go to JT up in Bellingham. What's up, JT? Oh, hi, Mike. Um, yeah, I just want to talk about Major League Baseball and the, the enormous number of rule changes they're applying this year. Yeah. And they kind of skipped over the major one, the only one, the uh, digital strike zone. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, now I have kind of an idea. My idea would be if the umpire has like a Fitbit that's wired to it so he can look at it. So he calls it like the old way. But if the batter objects, then he looks at his Fitbit to see what it is. Mm-hmm. They may you end up doing I mean? something and, and like that. I mean, that that is, JT, that is one of the ways they've tried this in the minor leagues is with a quick challenge system. It looks sort of like tennis, essentially. Tennis has the best challenge system in all of sports, right? If, if John McEnroe had played modern tennis, I don't think he ever would have gotten mad at anybody. He'd be like, it's in. They're like, well, it shows very clearly it's out in two seconds. Okay. Like, he just move on. Like, there's just not much room to get upset. It's pretty cut and dry what's in and what's out in tennis, and it takes no time at all, and they have a, a, so many challenges per match. I think baseball will eventually go to that system before they go to full-on robo-umps, and I hope they do. I hope it's more of a challenge system, and quite frankly, I would hope that there's some grace given. I would hope, like, like in the NFL, it's got to be distinctly wrong before you overturn. I would like to see most calls upheld, but the blatant ones when, you know, you got to CB Buckner back there and he misses a call by seven inches. Yeah. I would like to see those ones overturned. So I I'm going to guess that's the direction they ultimately go, but Hey, we'll find out eight, six, six, nine, seven, nine, three, seven, seven, six. Let me grab uh doo-wop doo-wop Dave. So long. I, I kind of feel like maybe he doesn't like Brock. He only called in when it was the Mike Salt. Is show, that what's going on? You have a Brock problem, Dave. I didn't bring that up, but no, I don't like the guy, but um... <laughs> I'm sorry, I you don't like Brock. You're like the only one in America. No, How no. do you not like Brock? His voice puts me to sleep, for God's sake. <laughs> well, that's sad. We miss you on Fridays, and usually Brock's here. Jeez. All right. Well, yeah. what's on your mind today, Duop Dave? All right. Listen, uh, you see what happened with Denver with Russell Wilson. The same thing's going to happen to Seattle when they sign, re-sign Geno Smith and give him this money. He had a he had a, a fluke year last year. He had, he had a great year. It's not going to happen again. It's just not going to happen. Okay. And they're going to be out all this money. They're going to be out a lot of money, and it's not going to happen. The best Geno Smith is is a backup quarter, quarterback, and that's it. So what would you He's do? He's not a starting quarterback. What would you do? I, 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 I'd let him go. And then what? I would build on I would build on. Uh, uh, who, who's the young guy that we got? Drew Locke? That we got from Denver. 
Drew Locke. Drew Locke. Yeah. I would I would really I'd really work hard with him. I I'd really I'd, I'd spend a lot of time developing him. Yeah. And you think he's a starting quarterback? And I think he could be. Okay. And Gino showed you this year that he can't be. Gino overachieved. It's never going to happen again. It's not going to happen next year. Okay. It's just not going to happen. And you're you're going to be the Seahawks are going to be out a, a hell of a lot of money and a lot of draft picks. Well, I don't think they're going to have to give up draft picks for Gino, but I, I appreciate the idea. He he might be right about that. Gino might have overachieved, and certainly in the second half of the year, I don't know if I would say it the way Duwab Dave did. Uh, and appreciate the call, man. I'm glad to have you back. I hope you can stay awake even when soporific Brock is uh, droning on and on. I was joking about that. I didn't know that was a real oh, thing. Oh, clearly. He finds Brock to be soporific. I get it. I've nodded off four or five times over the course of the last few months. Um, I miss Duwab Dave, though. Oh, who doesn't? We didn't even get to ask him about Russell because we never got a final opinion. I know. Like, Duwab Dave, call us him, next week. week didn't. Call us next week. We'll, 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 we'll deal with some of that. But um, he might be right about, about Gino. I don't know whether I would say it the way he did, but he might be right. Gino might have overachieved, and that might be it. That might be the high water mark for Gino Smith. I don't think it is. I think Gino can keep having success in the NFL, but certainly it's an interesting argument. All right, quick version of Rank today. Got a list? Time to put it in order. Fred Dwarmfor's house. Top five. Top five meals that I have ever had. This is Ranked. To be honest, that list was really biased. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. Every morning at 945 on Brock and Saw. Yeah, top ten list. I'm not buying that. Ranked. A lot of people on the text machine excited to hear from Duop Dave. I still think he delivered my favorite rank ever. When with the doo-wop, when we yeah. when he ranked, didn't he rank doo-wop songs? Yeah, yeah that was pretty. And good. he had an actual list, but he was also still kind of like angry while he was doing it. <laughs> I, I think he's classic. He is. I'm with you. All right. Well, with the long weekend about to start, most people in Seattle, I'm guessing, have already kind of started it. That seems to be how things work around here. I thought I would rank long weekends, holiday weekends ranked. A couple of honorable mentions. Don't worry more. We got to have some honorable mentions in there. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, kind of the bottom of the barrel. Columbus Day slash Indigenous Peoples Day. Most people don't really get it off anymore. It's kind, really. There's a few of those, right? Veterans Day is kind of like that. Where like maybe you're lucky and you get it off. And I'm not taking this isn't about like the reason why they exist, but just like, hey, cool, except I'm stuck at work. Right. So that's just sort of an honorable mention. When I was a kid, we had Patriots Day. That's unique to Massachusetts. Yes. Uh, I mean, they still have people. They do. Yeah, that's uh, that commemorates the battles of Lexington and Concord. But nobody else in the rest of the country gets it that. It kicks off the Boston Marathon, too. Uh, it is the day of the Boston Marathon, yes. And uh, the Red Sox generally play an 11 a.m. home game that day. So it's kind of a crazy day. And it's, it is a fun day to be in Boston, but the rest of the country doesn't get it. So can't make the list. Uh, MLK Day, another one that I like, but it's in January. Generally, it's right after Christmas, right? And New Year's and all the holidays that have just happened and not everybody gets it off. Honorable mention. Now, one that's moving up my draft board. This is like the holiday that has done well at the Combine and is now moving up the draft board is Juneteenth. First of all, the whole reason that it's become a thing is great, and I'm glad we're starting to... I did not know what it was until fairly recently, and I'm really glad to have become aware of it and understand the significance of it. But I'm just talking as a holiday day off, June 19th. What a fantastic day to get off. Like, it's almost summer. In a lot of places, it is summer. 
great time. We needed a holiday in that time of the year in June. June and August are lacking for holidays. And so I love the idea of Juneteenth. Doesn't quite crack the top five. Number five, President's Day. This weekend. Generally, the start of midwinter break for a lot of people. Great holiday. If you're into skiing, if you want to go north, that type of stuff. Or if you're trying to get out of the cold weather, good time to get out of Dodge. President's Day number five. Number four, Memorial Day. Barbecues. In the rest of the country, it's the beginning of summer. You can start wearing white again, which is fantastic. I bring out my white pants. Yeah, that's fine. I stay with it. I'm old school. I'm traditional. (laughs) I bring out my white pants starting on Memorial Day. And so uh, that would be number four to me. But the weather's still just not where you want it to be. Number three, Labor Day. Great weather. Wonderful holiday. But here's the problem. Here's what prevents Labor Day from going higher up in these ratings. It's the end of summer. Right, As good as it is, it's a last hurrah. And it kind of feels like everything's coming to a crashing halt. So, yeah, it's a bittersweet holiday in some ways. So Labor Day number three. Number two, Thanksgiving gets extra points for the food and the sheer length of being a four-day weekend. That's tremendous. It's the only guaranteed four-day weekend out there. So I'm going to put Thanksgiving number two. And number one, especially now that so many places give either the third or the fifth off, July 4th, man. Right in the middle of summer. Great weather. What could be better than July 4th? That's a pretty good list. I just feel like kind of guilty. I feel like I forced you into doing a traditional Well, yes. I kind of feel like you did too. And I hope that you feel guilty throughout the entirety of this three-day weekend, Maura. As you're sleeping late and not coming into work, I hope you feel very, very guilty. Maybe Justin should feel guilty. Maybe he should. Don't go on vacation. Salt needs you. Justin, I need you. You complete me. Brady Someone Bones. Them that me sitting in this chair is freaking them out and they need me to wear a hoodie. Yeah. And- well, you're like five inches taller than Justin looks back there. I don't know what the deal is with that. Brady, thank you. Good stuff this week. You'll be back next week as well. We'll see you guys Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. Have a great long weekend. Stick around for Bump and Stacy next. The hay is in the barn.